Welcome to the University of Adversity, where the only rules of the class is to hold your head up high and keep moving forward. Because when the going gets tough, the tough get going. And now, here's your host, Lance Ecos. What is up, everybody? Welcome back to the show. Buckle up your seatbelts, everybody. Today is a wild ride. Our guest today... <laughs> is an intelligent dude who knows a lot of things about a lot of things. I was pretty mind blown by this conversation because it went places I didn't think it would go, which is why I love what I do so much. His name is Matt Belair. He's a mindset coach. He's an author of the best-selling Zen Athlete book. He's a host of a top-rated mastermind, body, and spirit show. He has studied and trained with Kung Fu masters, Tibetan monks, and Native American elders. He is on a mission to decode the superhuman abilities and test the limits of human potential. And you guys aren't going to believe the stuff that we, we talk about. We, we, get into, <laughs> we get into Native American wisdom, talking about somebody that he's connected with. We get into aliens. We get into conspiracies. We get into martial arts. We get into everything. So if you want an interesting piece of content to listen to today, you don't want to miss this. You want to listen to this right till the end. And I promise you, you're going to love it. And then after that, you're going to have to go and check out his episode, his podcast, who is, which is amazing because he's interviewing some amazing thought leaders and some like mind blowing stuff with mind blowing topics. So also make sure you check him out on Instagram. He's got a great, he's got a great following connects with a lot of good people and great content. So I'm really excited for you guys for this. I feel so blessed to be able to connect with so many amazing guests and my good friend Julian Guterle connected us. And if you guys haven't heard our episode, go back and listen to uh, Julian's episode because he's a really spiritual dude as well. We connected at a Kundalini yoga retreat. So he introduced us. So he introduced me and Matt Belair and now we've connected and, and you know, that's how the rabbit hole opens up. You, you meet these people, they connect you with different people and then there you have it, right? I hope you guys enjoy this. It was a lot of fun. And if you haven't already, hit that subscribe button. Stay on top of these because it's going to keep, I'm going to keep bringing you the heat better and better and better. And if you can leave us a review, amazing. Also share this on social media, text it to somebody, text them the link, take the link, copy, paste, whatever you need to do, share this with one person, make that your duty. And I really, really appreciate it. We need to get this message. University of adversity is taken over. It's going to become a movement, a culture where we come to listen to stories of adversity and teach you to shift your perspective on it and allow you to get inspired daily and elevate yourself to whatever level you want to get to. So really excited. Buckle up. This is a great one. Matt Belair, everybody. Matt, what's up, man? Welcome to the show. What's going on, man? Thanks so much for having me. Yeah, man. Really excited to get into this with you because, uh, you got a really, really, not only a cool podcast, you got, you're an author, you're doing some amazing things. You got some like really, really interesting stuff happening. And on our show, like I, I've, I've noticed there's, there, there's certain conversations that I, I've tended to have more often now. And it's kind of aligning more with like what you're doing and what you're doing really is interesting as far as like, I don't know, just the whole like the energy systems and like talking about different things like plant medicine and just all this kind of stuff that's kind of opening the consciousness and just kind of like understanding that there's just so much more 
than what is going on in our lives, you know, and I, and it's fascinating. So thank you so much for your work you're doing, man. And thanks for joining us. Oh man. Well, thank you. We we're just talking before we started here and I was just, you know, admiring and complimenting a hundred episodes because it's a huge, massive amount of work to run a podcast. So I definitely, uh, the respect is mutual, man. And I'm, I'm grateful you're out there doing it and having these conversations. I'm, I think podcasting is so wonderful because you can have people talk about ideas and concepts that you feel are valuable. And then somebody can pick that up later and I can get to know you know about what's worked for you, you know, what you're struggling with, um, what you've learned. And then people can pick that up along the way as we share our experiences in an open format. Yeah, man, it's really, really cool. And I don't know if you've noticed it as well, but sometimes you go into these conversations and you think it's going to go one way and then you end up going this other way and you end up like, wow, this is, this is nuts. Like some of the, some of the stuff you end up, I mean, I was looking at some of your topics, man, on your podcast and I'm like, wow, like, you know, and for me sometimes with, you know, obviously being around adversity, I've realized that adversity kind of applies everywhere in your life. I mean, everybody goes through it, but it's just sort of like understanding what it is and, and that it's actually your friend. But I also like to take it and I always kind of, I like the road that it takes me because it taught, we, we end up getting into stuff like spirituality and like mindset and consciousness because it all ties together, you know? And I just find that the further I get along on the journey, the more people like yourself I talk to, the more the conversation elevates and the more like the further, I don't know, the more the different roads we can take with it. And, and it's, it's, it just evolves daily. So I, um, yeah, man, I, for any of them that don't, anybody that doesn't know you or hasn't, isn't familiar with any of your work, maybe take us back a little bit, bro, and give us a little bit of a background about yourself and maybe fill the gaps in a little bit of like how you got to where you are today. Sure, man. I'd, I'd be happy to. And I love it because that's kind of how I start my podcast is just kind of get a little bit of a background on the guest and move forward from there. And I want to touch on adversity for sure, because I think it's ubiquitous. We all experience that. And something that we all experience as humans is something that we can relate to, but also these spiritual or mindset principles come from that, whether it's failure is another one. And so when we recognize that we have these things, these really challenging things, you know, it's going to be like, what are you made of now? When you're pushed into this quarter, how do you react? What do you expect? experience uh, what happened what did you learn and they can be really valuable experiences if you recognize how to treat those challenges with a, an empowering mindset not a limiting mindset what was me kind of deal so uh, i think the the idea of that and where that can flourish and, and all the topics that come from it is amazing so just mm. wanted to say that and about me the easiest way that I put it is I grew up a martial artist and I was really curious about mind, body, spirit. That's when I was, as long as I can remember, that's what was being taught to me through martial arts, through my father, through uh, the karate school I was going to, through all, I would watch, I've probably seen every martial arts movie ever up until 2000 anyways. And I was also studying and learning from Bruce Lee because he was my favorite. And so as I went into my teenage years as an athlete, I was playing hockey, then I started skateboarding, snowboarding, doing all these different things. But what I was really interested about was consciousness. So I was actually reading books on Zen, meditation, enlightenment, consciousness, astral projection, hypnosis in my teens because I was really curious about it. I just felt like there was something more. And I feel like I was really spiritual in nature only in the sense that I was curious about who am I? 
Why am I here? What is the point of life? Why the heck is there so much suffering? And that was another big key for me because uh, all the suffering I see, I had two channels growing up and one of them would always show the commercial of people dying in Ethiopia, just starving to death. And I couldn't wrap my mind around how that was possible. I couldn't wrap my mind around how I could see so much abundance in Canada and the US and, and have all access to this. And we couldn't figure out how to give these people rice. I imagine like it couldn't be that much money. You know, everybody chips in a few bucks, boom, people are not starving to death because they do not have food. And so that, that really bothered me. And I did a lot of research on, you know, you know, conspiracy rabbit holes and all that kind of stuff. I was curious what systems are in place to make that happen and what is preventing anything from changing that. So you go into a lot of rabbit holes that way, you yeah. know, flash forward into my, my early twenties, I went to Whistler, I became a snowboard coach. I traveled the world internationally coaching snowboarding. Um, I, I had a program. I was teaching athletes uh, sports psychology for snowboarding because I was applying things that I learned from martial arts, but also studying because I was studying peak performance, visualization, hypnosis, anything along those lines. And I was surprised that people didn't even know the basics. And so I was teaching that in my snowboarding for high level snowboarders. After that, I kind of, I did eight years in Whistler. I really enjoyed it. I snowboarded a ton. I had a great time. And I was like, I need to now go and see if what I'm researching is real. I need to be able to separate fact from fiction. And I wanted to be, you know, enlightened. And so I was like, okay, well, who, who, who would be the best teachers of that? And I figured Tibetan monks. And I didn't realize that Tibet is still occupied by China to this day still. So I had to go to Nepal. I uh, meditated with monks and asked a lot of questions and had a really amazing experience, taught English at a school to learn more. I wanted to be better at martial arts, so I trained at an MMA school in uh, Thailand, which was amazing. And then I learned from uh, Shaolin Kung Fu uh, masters in China at a, a proper, um, what do you call it, just a, a proper place up in, the, in the high up in the mountains. And one of the masters could break stone with two fingers and bigger pieces over his head. And so for me, when I want to learn, I want to learn from the best. And, and with some of this stuff, especially with consciousness expanding, peak performance, biohacking, all those things that are catchy today, I want to know what works, what doesn't work and separate the hype. You know, are you making it more hypey than it is? And I want to know exactly what it is. And if it's possible, I want to know if these superhuman things are possible and if I can do it. And if I can do it, then can I teach it? Can I pass it on? And so that's kind of been my exploration. And when I came back, I, that's when I started the podcast because I only had two friends I could talk to about this stuff. Anything around world events, uh, spirituality, personal development, a meaningful life, anything like that. Nobody really wanted to go deep with me. You know, I was kind of yeah. in my own. So I started those conversations and flash forward a few years later, I'm almost at episode 300. Talked to a lot of amazing people. I've, I've done a lot of traveling research. I've been to Egypt with a resident science foundation. I've trained with Native American elders and I'm still going trying to piece this puzzle together of what is consciousness? What is the meaning of life? How can I have a meaningful and impactful life and, and stay congruent with the important questions to me and, and the way that I live? And what have I learned? Can I share that can improve the quality of someone else's life or consciousness or human experience? Wow. Wow, man. Like there's not every day you hear that. <laughs> <laughs> That's wow. So where do I even, how do we even begin with that? So what, 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 so as far as traditions and martial arts, let's just start there. What impacted you the most? I mean, obviously you followed Bruce Lee in the beginning, right? Amazing guy. But like you studied with, you did Kung Fu, you studied monks. Like what really was the thing that really, that you gravitated towards most? Like what was the really something that really like, um, that impacted you the most? Like what was the thing 
out of all of that so far that's been the most interesting or impactful in your life? That's a really good question. And I'll, I'll kind of take it in the way that I understand it and what I think would be most meaningful. The biggest thing from the beginning is what I understood as a kid is that if I wanted to break boards, like I was watching these martial artists do it, and I would also watch the movies and Kung Fu when they're doing all these amazing things. I don't know if I could understand the difference between real or not, but I could mm -hmm. also see some people do stuff that was real that I was like, holy smokes, how do I do that? How do I punch my hand through this brick or this stone or do this amazing thing? And what I knew right away that it wasn't just my physical body, that it required physical training, but it was something outside of me, that it was mind, body, spirit, and it was an integration. And I knew that it was something beyond just myself that I'd have to work with if I wanted to do anything that was beyond human limit, ego limit, or what I could perceive and believe with myself. So just that fundamental understanding was so huge. And so even when, like, if you think about Zen Athlete, the book that I wrote, and the reason why I bring it up is because I hope to install this with kids. If, if they had that mindset as a young kid getting better at hockey, football, soccer, baseball, whatever it is, and you just go for three things. Number one, you're going to, I'll use the example of shooting a, a free throw. You're teaching the kid how to shoot a free throw. The first thing you teach them is how to clear their mind. Just say, take three deep breaths. An individual who has the ability to clear their mind has a higher quality of consciousness, uh, more freedom than somebody who, do, who, who does not. The second part is to visualize that shot going in. When you visualize the shot, you realize that you influence your reality. Somebody who realizes that they can influence the reality has a higher quality life and consciousness because there's a little bit more freedom. They're less out of the victim. And the third and maybe most important step is if they miss the shot, what's the most powerful and positive perspective they can have? So you might not always succeed, but you do choose, you get to choose how you respond to that uh, that that situation just like in adversity, a, mm. a, a powerful way, because we're all going to experience that. And so when you define a goal or you move through your life, if you can do it, understanding those three things, as well as, and this is the hardest part, and I've done a lot of research and thinking and stuff on this, and I don't have a, the best answer, I have ideas. How do you do it from a place where you are actually content, fulfilled, full of self-confidence and love and worth as you are? Just as you are when you're in the process where you're, you haven't started the business, where you're in the middle of the business, where your business just failed, where you just got in a relationship, or the relationship's rocky, where you just got a divorce, whatever the scenario is, life is always throwing you adversity. It's always throwing yeah. you challenges. And if, and if you're like, oh, I'm going to be worthy and I'm going to be happy when all of these challenges are sorted, not going to happen because life is consistent challenge. You know, one of the universal principles from Buddhism studying uh, over in Nepal with the Buddhist monks is that life is suffering. But Alan Watts uh, says it's not an accurate translation. It's actually more like life is frustrating. And I like that because life is super frustrating and I get frustrated all the time. Right. <laughs> and so can we have a more empowering uh, perspective when we are going through something where we know we are going to experience it on a daily basis? It's not like it's something unexpected. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, it's the thing. Adversity, it's going to come, right? There's not there's no finish line. And we're, as soon as you obtain the next level of whatever it is, there's going to be the next level of things, the next level of people that are going to challenge you, the next level of anything in your business. But that's just the way it is. I mean, you can be okay with that. That's where the, that's where the magic is, right? And a lot of people <clears throat> play the victim role and they want to be a victim. And it's like, well, that's not going to serve you at all. Because it's never going to go away. <laughs> like we're always, it's just like I remember working in restaurants in the bars and, the, or, and, and all that. And you sit in the back and 
you know, you do the dishes and the dishes just keep coming in. You can hustle as much as you want and stress, but those dishes are going to keep piling in. You might as well just keep a nice flow. Might as well just keep things going, you know, like understand, all right, this is, this is why I'm here. This is life, you know, and, and, and every day, and you can understand that and embrace that. I mean, I, I wish I understood that because I, when I was younger, because I played hockey as well. And I, we would go through these mindset drills about visualization. And I just thought it was all bullshit, man. I didn't understand it. I didn't, I wish that I knew this growing up. And that's why I think it's important that you're working with, you know, younger kids because kids need to know this stuff. They know, they got to understand that if you want to become a pro athlete or you want to be a pro, it takes a lot of mindset. It takes, it's all mindset because you're going to have, not only do you have to visualize, but you also have to be able to get through the hard times. Like it's never going to be easy. Right. And I just, I love that that kind of stuff is being talked about more because it's so, so important because these kids don't like, I know I didn't believe in it. Did you believe in it when you were growing up playing hockey, like sports? Did you, was well, it? I did. I did, but I didn't did. realize that I was weird until I was 19 when I was always thinking things differently with, with my buddies going through high school. So all my good friends who are still here now still think I'm a, I'm a bit strange, but I didn't recognize that I was, yeah. I was, it was just like having an interest, you know, let's say you were interested in music and no one else was, I was just interested in these questions, you know, these kind of universal big questions. And it, it's still, I'm still shocked at how few people ask those questions and are yeah. genuinely curious. Who am I? Why are we here? What the hell is consciousness? What's happening on this planet? How do I make a, a great experience? What, you know, can I, can I change my consciousness? And that for me, I've learned so much in, in understanding, like I knew I was more than the consciousness I had, meaning more than what, what is just your general consciousness. So your, your waking consciousness can only um, absorb about five to seven bits of information. This is a book I read a long time ago. It feels like it should be more than that, but like five to seven bits, right? But yeah. your subconscious mind is picking up way more than that. Plus all of your memory and everything like that, it's happening. So let's say you're, you're, uh, you and I are having a conversation. And if we're paying attention, we can only really pay attention to that. We're not going to know uh, what the server is wearing, um, you know, the sound or volume, but our subconscious mind or unconscious mind is picking up all of that information. And as I'm talking to you, you know, if I go into a meditative state or something, and we do some meditation, you know, where does my consciousness go then? What's the difference with the brain waves and the neurology and things like that? Or if I'm just talking to you like I am now, and I put my consciousness above myself and just watch myself talk to you. So it's a weird thing. And people are like, Oh, why would you even do that? Because the interesting thing is, you start to become aware of just that limited frame of consciousness. Like, so a good example is if you're driving in traffic, somebody cuts you off and you immediately get pissed off. That's just you reacting to this uh, scenario in this very uh, finite circumstance. You, there's a lot more going on. And so if you detach from the anger of that experience uh, that happens right away, you can just have a little bit more freedom. Just breathe through it. Yes, it happened, but you don't have to be the immediate re emotional response. And so from a martial artist uh, perspective, when you're a teen growing up and somebody calls you a loser, you go fight them because that's the emotional response that happens right away. Um, let's say you go to a bar and somebody calls you a loser, blah, blah, blah. And then you have to physically engage them. This is more of a man example. Um, but people do that because they, because 
an external stimulus will happen, an emotional response will happen within the body, then they'll take an action towards that. But people aren't recognizing that this is what's happening in their daily life every single day. But most of the external stimulus, the one that's pushed on society is fear. Uh, all of these little cultural fear bits uh, from media, from what you're getting from mainstream music, from what you're getting from TV. You know, there's a great documentary called Edward Bernays' Century of the Self. And it goes around, it's about Sigmund Freud's nephew and how he, he was using unconscious motivators for the government, uh, for the military, for all kinds of things. And it's still happening today. So if I say, don't think of a red hippopotamus or try not to imagine a cat being run over. Well, the cat being run over has more of an emotion to it. And when I'm coaching people, I'll use like a, an example like that. Yeah. And then like, oh, and they're feeling this way. It's because all I'm doing is using words, but you're having an emotional response without you deciding. But the freedom part, that's like, you know, free will is an interesting concept. But when you, when you are just acting on the emotions that happen, you have less free will. But when you learn how to detach from that and see all of the information, you are living a much more empowered life. So you can make an action to the response of the adversity, to the challenge, to the situation. Um, that's going to that's gonna bring you to a step that you want to be, uh, not just something that has been reacted to and then you're kind of a victim of your circumstances. Does that make sense? Yeah, totally. I love that. And the thing is, that I think a lot of people, well, myself included, I guess I just wanted some sort of like tangible evidence to believe all this stuff when I was younger, right? And as I've gotten older and tapped into this more and started to realize just the feeling and just seeing, studying people who are successful, it's not always going to be like this, this thing that's going to be like, yes, this is working. You know, there's, there's so much more than... There, there's so many things happening with our energy. And yeah, even guys like Dr. Joe Dispenza can measure it. Like he's really brought that to light, taking this like complicated subject of meditation and kind of actually monitoring brain waves. And I guess for me, understanding and seeing that change in things helps me understand better. But now I understand that you don't, it doesn't always have to be that way, you know? And I guess that's why for me, I, I struggled with wrapping my head around all this, but now that I start to go down this rabbit hole and have conversations like yourself with people like yourself, I start to, I just, it, it reinforces it that much more, you know? And yeah, well, well, it's a, it's a really important thing because we're logical beings, right? We want to see the proof. We want to see it and believe it. And, and for me, I just thought it worked. It just made sense to me. Maybe it was yeah. because of martial arts or whatever, but that's not the common way you want it. You want to be able to go, you know, a plus B equals C right? Now we have unbelievable evidence around how visualization works. They did a study, you know, with uh, Olympic sprinters. And then when they would visualize the sprinting and then we would, they would sprint, the same uh, parts of the brain would, would activate. We have yes. so much um, evidence on visualization, neurology, neuroscience. Dr. Joe Dispenza is a good example. Um, so I kind of put it like this. We usually need a catalyst to start using this stuff. So somebody will be, well, they'll be given a, an, a piece of adversity or something really challenging, and then they'll start using this stuff. So with Dr. Joe Dispenza's work, I've done his, uh, I forget what he calls the first one, but I've done two of them and up into the advanced and, and learned about all that kind of thing. And so a lot of people will go do that work. And his work is like ancient work. He's basically teaching you guided visualization, but giving you a ton of data, giving that you know, the uh, left brain, all the data it needs, which is very, very important for most people. And so people who have terminal illnesses, sometimes 
um, are able to heal themselves with the own power of their being, which is amazing. But they were given um, an external stimulus like uh, like a disease that gave them like reason to try this crazy stuff or whatever it is. Now in sport, that's why I like extreme sports because you will know immediately if you are ready. You will know immediately the results. And so many people don't want to do this type of training or look at mindset, beliefs, things like that, because the results aren't immediate. If you go to the gym, you can feel it physically. Mm. This stuff, it's kind of like a little bit harder. It takes a little bit of, of faith to work. And then you're like, oh, that's why I do it. You don't, you know, mm. you, now more people are kind of sharing their experience. But so I'll give you an example. I had a, an athlete come to me. I was, I was training one freestyle motocross guy, uh, Brody Carmichael. I gave him my book and he liked it and he, and his friend had fallen on a front flip. So he'd called me and uh, his name's Pat ba or Pat Bowden. And they got me in touch with Brody Car Carmichael. And he said, Hey man, I fell on a front flip. I want to be able to land this front flip on my motorcycle. And I also want to do some variations that have never been done. I said, cool. So we jumped on the call. His mental game is strong. I just kind of refined a few things just as far as perspective as a small upgrade, but nothing much. And I said, Hey man, I suggest read my book. It'll help. You know what I mean? But you're still fine. And you know, there's an online course. I suggest doing that. I'll give you more information, what you already know. Um, but all you actually need to do is visualize that trick an hour a day, every single day for, uh, until you know, you can land it. It'll probably take you about a week or two. He immediately started visualizing that trick. Uh, three weeks later in competition, he lands a front flip on his motorcycle. Three weeks after that, he lands the world's first front flip heel clicker. Three weeks after that, he lands the world's first front flip Superman on a motorcycle. And he told me he didn't even practice it once into a foam pit. He just went out there and did it. He was, he was uh, going around at schools. And so did a front flip Superman on a motorcycle through visualization. And the reason why that worked is because he had a catalyst that if he go out, went out there and tried it and hurt himself, he, you know, he, he's got a, a very negative response, right? And so we live in this world that's very comfortable, that's mm -hmm. very easy. And so we're not employing all of these other techniques that we can do. And the idea is that we are way more powerful than we give ourselves credit for. We don't ask ourselves what it is that we want. Find a vision that's inspiring. We get caught up on these roadblocks because it's somebody else's vision. We haven't really thought it through. We're not sure. We're too afraid to take the first step. But when you can just get a direction that you're inspired about, and you know that's how it starts. It starts a bit foggy. You don't really know what you're doing, but it's step after step after step, it gets clear. And so if you're inspired by your direction, you're going to be able to use all these other tools to continue taking the steps and overcome each bit of adversity. But if you're just doing it for um, you know, security reasons, you're probably, and you're trying to do it independently, you're probably going to stop at some point because you don't have enough of that, let's say spiritual energy or spiritual juice of like just who you are and what you're willing to work towards, you know? And that's why adversity is so important because it's really getting comfortable with the pain and the discomfort of, you know, as a martial artist training or failure in business or whatever the case is, we just, we get afraid to try. So we don't try anything. Yeah, it's so true, man. I, I really, I, I like to unpack more about martial arts for a second because I don't talk to a lot of people who have, who have been highly involved in martial arts. And I talk to a lot of people about meditation and yoga and all that kind of stuff. But I really kind of, you, you, you touched on something earlier. You said it may be because you were in martial arts that you had more faith in this, that this stuff works. Talk us through some of the stuff for people that don't, haven't really experienced real martial arts and and how do how would how would that affect you and what does it do and what do you notice now looking back that that it instills in you like as far as faith and as far as like energy you know what are some of the things and maybe some of the the people that you looked up to that other than bruce lee that really impacted you 
Yeah, it's a really, really great question. I think that martial arts is is a very, very empowering practice, and there are many other practices that you can do that that will will give the same result. But one of the big things in martial arts is respect for self, respect for the teacher, respect for your family, respect for your community. It's really about um, discipline and integrity and getting to a place where like you're spiritually balanced, you know, your mind is spiritually balanced. You feel spiritually balanced. You're empowered, you're connected. And one of those, one of the practices of martial arts is just understanding the body. And, and most people are so disconnected from their body. You know, they're not understanding. There's so much information in the body. That's where like intuition comes from. That's how you learn how to trust yourself. That's it. You know, you're in this body. You got to learn how to move it and use it. So it could be dance. It could be running. It could be gymnastics. It could be some way to explore and express, but you're, you're playing with the limits of your body. So you're playing with the limits of reality. Like how much can I lift? How hard can I punch? Can my body move this way? What can this thing do? And so as you do that, you're exploring the mind as well because it's obviously connected. And so when you, you know, in martial arts, again, like it's mind, body, spirit. So when I was training um, in China and I wanted to see if, you know, these masters could break stone. And one of the masters there could break stone with two fingers. He could break bigger pieces over his head and every limb in his body. His name's Master Go. It's on my Instagram if you look back. And I had a chance to interview him. And so when I'm interviewing, I say, hey, what's the trick? Because there is a lot of trickery out there too. In the mindset game and all this stuff, there's a lot of trickery and a lot of baloney and a lot of uh, hype, right? Really, the hype is process. It's hard work. So, um, mm-hmm. so I say, hey, what's the trick? And there's a, there's a, a person there translating because he can't even speak English. It's like, oh, you know, when you break the, the, the stone, what's the trick? Right? Mm-hmm. And he's like, yeah. no trick. And I was like, come on, what's the trick? There must be a trick. And he just looks at me again. He's like, no trick. So third time I ask him, trick, what's the trick? And he looks at her and he knows what I'm saying now because I'm saying the same thing. And he kind of looks at me frustrated and starts slamming his fingers down on the desk he's at. And he just says years. I think he said seven, eight years of hard qigong, which is conditioning the body. Okay, first is body. Outside the academy, there are trees with dent holes from finger marks from people repeatedly poking a tree with their fingers. That's ridiculous. Second part, Qigong, uh, or yeah, Qigong. So they would do a meditation practice. And he said, I would, I would bring the energy, um, you know, my, all of my energy and the energy of, you know, they call it the Tao, spirit, universe, whatever, the higher force. And I would direct it into my fingers. And then I would proceed. Same thing over my head, same thing with every limb. And so really that's a, a focused point of energy, right? And so that's what we're talking about, universal energy. So they're moving, you know, theoretically universal energy, but through hard conditioning. Now, here's the thing. This was years and years of practice of something that who would be willing to train all day, every day to do something like that. That is a superhuman feat. Most people will think that that's nonsense, but he, what, what was superhuman about it was the dedication to the training. And that's what it shows you. It shows you that anything is possible with simple dedication to an ideal, to a principle. So it doesn't matter what business you want to create. It doesn't matter what life direction you want to go in. It doesn't matter what you want to create. It just has to be a direction, not a final outcome, a direction that's so inspiring to you that you won't give up and give yourself a lifetime to do it. That's why we're here to give ourselves a lifetime to achieve things. But what happens is we get to a state of minimal comfort, whatever that is, then we stay there and then that's good. And then we throw on, um, you know, America's got talents or whatever the case is. And <laughs> yeah. There's nothing wrong. It's not a judgment to do that, but there's always, I think in every individual an impulse to 
you know, shift and create and grow in an inspired way. And only you know if you're living in that way. And that's kind of the, the yin-yang balance is that can you be content with where you are in the process, but also effectively moving towards that which you want to grow. You know what I mean? If you're a flower, you want to fully flower. If you're a beaver, you want to grow a dam. If you're an eagle, you want to find a nest up top. And it's all going to be a part of the process. But you're going to know if you're walking those steps that, that inspire you, that are pulling you. That's like you're, you're part of spirit, your creation. And, uh, you know, are you walking that path? And so, you know, for martial arts, for me, you know, UFC, I, I like because I like the competitive side, but I don't like it all because all they've done is reinforce the gladiator part of it. You know, the, the culture around it is something that I don't agree with. That's why I really like Jordan yeah. St. Pierre and good, good people like that, because it was about the martial arts practice. Like that's just the gladiator part. You know, yeah. you don't put your kid into martial arts so they beat the crap out of someone. That is yeah. not the point. The point is to understand themselves more, to learn about themselves, to feel confident. If you feel confident, you're not going to the bar and beating the crap out of other people. It's only people who are, you know, it says like hurt people, hurt people, yeah. you know? That's, that's really the bottom line. And so if you're a good martial artist, you should never, ever, ever use it uh, in the street. It's only just to, you know, to explore your own body, uh, the techniques and things like that. And it's a fun way to express for me. I like that. So right now I'm learning staff because I think it's cool and I like it and I suck, mm -hmm. but it's a fun thing to express my body. Martial arts is, is skateboarding and extreme sport to me. I see it the same way. It's challenging. I'm using my body. It takes a lot of concentration and visualization and frustration. And uh, it's just a way to express and play and, and move my body in, in a way that I grow and enjoy it and always learn something. Mm. Have you been to Japan? Have you done any, anything there? I haven't been to Japan, but I would love to go to Japan. First, first and foremost, uh, foremost, the snowboard. And then secondly, you know, these ancient cultures of like yeah. the samurai, things like that. I'm so curious in that lineage. And, it's so you know, fascinating, man. So like, fascinating. Yeah. Like they've been around for so long, you know, and, and our Western society is just such a, it's such a new thing. You know, our daily lives, you know, I look outside in the city and I'm just like, this is crazy. This is such a new thing. You know, and you look at like the Japanese culture that's in, in the Chinese culture and some of the stuff has been around for like thousands and thousands of years. And it's fascinating. Oh, yeah, man. Well, on that note, what's been really interesting is the last couple of years I've been training with a Mi'kmaq Native American elder and uh, who is also a martial artist and an absolutely extraordinary martial artist. But you would never, ever, ever know because he would never show you. Um, but I've seen some stuff and it's, it's miraculous. And uh, he's got a 20,000 year lineage. And uh, so does the Mayan culture and so does the Zuni culture. And that's when we get into rabbit hole stuff. But yeah. when I went, to, I went to Egypt with the Resident Science Foundation, you know, who built the pyramids? What the hell are they doing here? We have got all of these massive questions that people are not asking. I'm just so curious about. And so the Mayan elder, the Zuni elder, and the Mi'kmaq elder, 20,000 year history, each all saying similar things um, with each other about, you know, life, creation, um, and all that kind of stuff. And it's been a very, very fascinating journey. Bro, I, I'm with you on that. It's such a rabbit hole, you know, like the Mayans and well, what let's, let's, let's pivot then. What, what, which is like the biggest, let's talk about like pyramids or whatever, but what's the biggest conspiracy or biggest thing that fascinates you the most that you're the most interested in as of late or that you've kind of dived, you've, you've dove in lately that like, you're just like, I don't know, intrigues you. 
Yeah. You know? Well, yeah, it's a, that's a big question. And thanks. I know it is. It's a very loaded, it's a very loaded yeah, oh, one. Well, well, I love it. These are my favorite things to talk about. And that's what it, you looked at my podcast and some of them are really out there ideas. And, and in researching all this stuff, there's a lot of it that's baloney. You know what I mean? There's a lot of it that um, I think is congruent because then over time I'm able to verify a fact over three different places and then it becomes oh, okay then i can look at it deeper but when you know it's out in left field and no one else is verifying it it's less credible right so let's just put it this way when i began researching what was happening on the planet and why we have starvation the bottom line is kings and queens are corporations mm-hmm. where there's too much corporate power so there's systems and we're a for-profit system so once this into institutions especially the banks mostly the banks they now are a vested interest within themselves so they want to continue to survive for them to continue to survive it's not actually supporting life um, it's an economy it's a dead economy not a life not a resource-based economy so that's a huge problem and that's why all these things are happening you can look at zeitgeist number one you can look at thrive documentary you can look at uh, confessions of an economic hitman and you can just look around you something's wrong um, yeah. Also, you know, in that ladder, people look at politics and they think that's like the highest hierarchy. I don't think so. I think it's, you know, whether they call it the military industrial complex, which I don't think is, I think it's even higher than that. It's the corporations, the old kings and queens, and just people of influence. Like if you were born a king and I was born a king, that's just the way it is, man. I own everything. It's not even bad. You know what I mean? You just own everything. Like you don't know any different and you've always owned it. And so maybe those systems can use an upgrade. So that's, that's one piece of it. Um, and so, you know, we should look at our economics and, um, and also, yeah, we don't need to go media, but look at uh, Edward Bernays century of the self, and you'll have a good idea of how this media is being constructed, you know, look at songs. So when I talked about the TV before, and I was very interested in hypnosis, mass hypnosis, persuasion, um, you know, one of them is repetition. But like I said before, if you, if you try not to imagine a pink, and purple donkey or a zebra with uh, yellow and electric green stripes. You have to do that to make sense of what I'm saying. And so what, what's happening on a mass scale as far as media and stuff is just nonsense. It's like, it's not just one murder show. It's a genre of murder shows. You know what I mean? Everything is murder, murder, murder. Uh-huh. And we're afraid. And that's exactly what is ideal is fear and complacency and confusion. So there's a lot of rabbit holes. Now, Let's go to the Native American elders. So I love when this, bro. I, I love started this. doing this, this is, yeah. So take this with a grain of salt. But when I started going down the rabbit hole, it would always get to aliens, uh, ancient civilizations, lost civilizations, things like that. Every time until I was 20, it always went to aliens. And I stopped there because my friends thought I was crazy enough. <laughs> you know what I mean? Now, after going to Egypt, talking to these elders, doing a lot of research, having a lot of people on these shows, the, the evidence for some sort of uh, alien extraterrestrial concept uh, contact is absolutely overwhelming that being said so much of the mainstream stuff is a lot of like filler media hype selling books as the elders put it and and things like that so it's it's hard to discern uh the truth if you look up the tic tac incident that's one of the most compelling pieces of proof that's from the united states military and uh there's also a lot of other um evidence out there as well but when going to i went to dimensions of disclosure i've been to contact in the desert some good some bad what was interesting is the native american elders so i went and i've studied with the Mi'kmaq native american elder for uh about two years now uh my friend clifford mahudi is a zuni elder and i went down to guatemala to learn from and talk with a mayan elder 
all of them 20,000 year history, all of them talk about the star people and the star nations. They didn't know each other. Clifford and David know each other now, but to them, it's like, it's like they know it exists. It's not something special. And they're sharing, we've never asked them and they don't share it with us. We've never asked. And so if you look at the Dogon tribe, you know, ancient aliens is on, on some stuff and then they're way off and just hyping it up on other stuff, which is fine. Um, but all of them also had contact. They also had contact with these other races and all of them say they're here now, that we're not the big and bad, that they exist here now, but we're not like the most advanced race like we think we are. They're way more advanced. And part of what I've learned, especially from the uh, Mi'kmaq Native American, who, by the way, is a scientist, an engineer, a mathematician who I vetted his engineering, I vetted his math. Um, he put balloons 400,000 feet into space and he's supposed to be releasing some of that footage on my podcast because he says he's got craft and other things. And I've asked him over, I'm like, why don't you just share this? He's like, you need, he's like, you have so much crap out there. Even if I share it, you're not going to be able to distinguish what is real and what is not. There's oh, like yeah. a protocol and my, my elders have asked me to share this with you. And he spent the first 26 years of his life on the side of a mountain being trained by over 600 elders in math, engineering, physics, biology, chemistry, history. And I've been trying to figure out if he's full of crap or not. So I showed up and I haven't been able to poke a hole in his story, not once yet. So I'm still going down that rabbit hole. And so the bottom line is from these elders, if you just take down ETs and all the kind of craziness of what I'm saying here, is that we need to learn how to get the fuck along. Mm. To just not harm somebody with a different belief. Mm. That's it. That's all. Just be kind to another human, even if they believe in a different God, even if they're a different color, if they're a different way, you just need that. And apparently that's what they had to have contact. That's how simple it was. They were able to get along. There was enough people not harming each other where something else could come in, say hello and communicate without worried about their, um, uh, what do you call it? Self-preservation. And that's it. That's, they had the same message. Just, we need peace. We need peace. We need peace. And so it starts as an individual and a collective, but that's, that's their huge thing of, among lots of other stuff I could get into. <laughs> oh man, I love it. I don't even know how to, how do you even unpack <laughs> that, man? Like, <laughs> as I, I, know, I was like, grain of salt is like, we're going to go, we're going to go from. We're going to go from personal development into space. Oh, that's, that's all right, man. I mean, this it's, it's, I love it. And what about, what are your thoughts on, I gotta, I gotta ask this because you know, this stuff fascinates me, like ancient civilizations, like, you know how we think that we're, like you said, like we're the, our, I don't even know how to word it, but our culture, we think like we're like the most advanced, most powerful that there's ever been. Like, what are your thoughts on, I know we're going on a bit of a loop, but I don't care because I love this shit and I love talking about it. What, what are your thoughts and like, what are you, like, when you hear about it, like, you must follow like Graham Hancock and, and obviously Joe Rogan and stuff. But like, what are your thoughts on lost civilizations? I'd love for you to hear your, uh, your opinion. Yeah, it's a really great question. And so this is kind of the idea here. So Graham Hancock is a guy, just look him up, watch his, watch his episodes on Joe Rogan, get his books. I, I recently went through uh, his book, um, Fingerprints of the Gods. And I was in Egypt with the Resonant Science Foundation, which was just mathematicians, engineers, scientists, geologists, um, all, basically 100% of them. It was like, of course, aliens exist. You basically are not doing any research. Like the, the pyramids, they're not, they're, they're, they say a minimum of 10,000 years old. And then you start to look at the hieroglyphs, those ancient stories, things like that. In the Bible, I had uh, um, Jeffrey Darty on my show, and he's a former evangelist. And he is translating the Bible from Greek translation. 
Uh, he was a former evangelist for 12 years. He kind of woke up and he's like, bro, all the Bible is, is UFO story after UFO story. He's like, you either look at it as a magical, mystical experience or it's technology. He's just like, but when he, he would read it exactly how it is and, and then share with you uh, the Greek translation versus how it's being translated in the new or old, in the new Testament or old Testament and just give you more clarity. And it's like light in the sky than this. He's like, how would you, how would you explain like a ship in that time? You know what I mean? And so, oh, yeah. um, so the ancient civilization things is that there, there are so many um, ancient, spaces pyramids are just one you've got anchor Wat, you've got um gobekla tepe you've got um and graham hancock's new new book america before it talks about all these sites in america so we have evidence of civilizations advanced ones that are a minimum of ten thousand years old an absolute minimum and with architecture and engineering that dwarfs what we can do right now so it's not primitive people now it could have been maybe one, one uh, thing it could be is like humans, like now we get to a, a space of engineering and then something happens like a, a comet or we wipe ourselves out or nuclear bomb or whatever. And we go back to square one that maybe could have happened. You don't need aliens for that. You know, not all of us, you need aliens for that. But, um, but we were able to do these things that we can't repeat right now. But what I find very fascinating is in looking into this stuff and doing a lot of research. We do have the architecture. We have the, um, you know, the buildings, we have them all over the planet. And there's thousands of sites that we just have no idea how they came. This people who hold those stories and those myths are the indigenous cultures of each of those continents. If you look at those myths, whether it's the flood myth or whatever the case is, they are so uh, synchronous with each other. And a lot of them talk from a being after it came, some sort of thing came and trained them. Whether you're talking about the Epic of Gilgamesh, whether you're talking about um, um, like Teotihuacan and all that kind of stuff there, like the Star Traveler guy, all of them talk about something coming down and teaching them in their myths. And mm -hmm. when I'm talking to the elders now and think about it, what kind of, what do you know about indigenous cultures? Like very little. Who's yeah. interviewing indigenous cultures now? They're saying they have a 20,000 year lineage that's oral, that doesn't need book burnings. And in verifying the three that I know, and these are the only three that I know, they all say the exact same thing without knowing each other. They agree on the same things and extraterrestrials or space travelers, or whatever, are a part of this. Then you kind of go into other stuff with, you know, it gets, it gets pretty crazy. And I think there's a lot of baloney, but there's a, a lot of truth. But so the idea here is it's, it's consciousness expanding in the sense that yeah. what an interesting idea. What if we weren't alone, you know? And the idea that I like to present to people is like, we can do better as, as, as team earth, whether you believe in ETs or not. If, if you were looking as an ET at, at earth or there was like the interstellar Olympics, we're not, we're not cooperating. We would be an embarrassment. Team earth would be, be like, well, we don't want to yeah. play with them. Like they're they crazy. They can't even get along with each other. But what if team America, team Canada, team USA, team China, team Russia, team, everybody teamed up top scientists, top engineers, mathematicians. We started looking at our planet globally. We, we came into peace somehow and we, you know, rose as a civilization, as a humanity, that potential is massive. And I think it's so fascinating how nobody is talking about this like we talk about peace how do we actually get to peace we need to keep talking about it we need to keep striving about it we need to be peaceful in our daily life and we need to be a planet that makes sense that cooperates that does stuff for the human species not for separation and for profit and that's what we're in right now 
And it's, and it's absurd that we don't live in peace. It's absolutely absurd. How do we, how does that happen though? Like what, what needs to happen? I mean, that is a friggin' fantastic <laughs> question. I have no idea. I think the first and foremost is to be peaceful within yourself. Yeah. Is to just see it, see it as a whole, do what you can within yourself to make a difference, to be peaceful, to affect your community because the big problems are big problems. I think it's important to start talking about it a little bit more mm. and um, just get involved in something that you see that could help, but mm. really being peaceful as an individual. Um, and then, you know, looking at ways that you can impact, but, you know, looking at this stuff and get overwhelming. I definitely went through a depression for a bit there and you can't solve all the world's problems. I wish I could, um, yeah. but just be peaceful and whole in yourself. Do your best, make an impact in your community and that will have a massive ripple effect. And if there's a way to level up, it will present itself. So the first and most important thing is teach yourself how to swim. Uh, be peaceful, be kind in your community, do what you can to help be empowered, you know, empower yourself, be self-sustainable. And from that, you're showing other people how to be sustainable. You're showing them the example. And if there's uh, an opportunity to, you, to unite, to collaborate, you'll see that because you've gotten to that next level and you can make even more impact. So that's where we need to start. Yeah. It, it all comes down to ourselves, right? <clears throat> Everybody wants to point fingers of where the changes should happen. You know, it's that guy or they're doing that or it's the president. It's like, well, what are you doing today? What are you doing today to make things better? You know, how toxic are you right now? Like, what are you putting in your body? Like, how are you speaking? How are you speaking to yourself? It all comes down to that. And I just recently realized that it's like, there's always these externals. We're looking for something else, but it's, if it starts within us, imagine everybody just worked on themselves. I mean, that itself would change the world. You know, like that's the, I mean, that's where it needs to start. And I'm just grateful to have these conversations with people like yourself because that just creates more awareness out there. Right. And the more of these conversations, the more people start to understand like, okay, I don't need to look for anything. I just need to fix, I need to understand who I am first before I can go and expect anybody else to fix these things, you know? And I, um, yeah, man. I, I, I definitely, I, I love that. And you're a smart dude, man. I just can't, I can't even fathom all that stuff. It's just like, Whoa, <laughs> bro. I can't really fathom it either. It's I, just, I'm just like, <laughs> I'm still processing. I'm like, well, well, you touched, you touched on a couple of things that I wanted to kind of share, share and talk about there, but like, you know, I think the important thing for making change in, in the world and our communities, I've read a ton of spiritual books, obviously I've trained and done courses in spirituality. I've meditated my butt off. You know, I've been to Dr. Joe's thing. I've meditated for months, I trained with, you know, monks, you know, I did all that kind of stuff. Um, but the best by far, the best spiritual teaching I've ever heard is from my friend, uh, David Lombard Senapas, the Mi'kmaq my elder. And he goes, do three kind acts a day, Go out of your way to do it and don't tell anybody. And so when we talk about these changes, right, in the world, and it's like, should we all meditate? Uh, should we all do this? Should we all do that? If I could do one thing and, and, and plant it as law or philosophy worldwide would be that. Do three mm. kind of things. That would be the fastest way we change the planet. And mm. before I heard that teaching and really applied it, I was a kind and compassionate person. I still am a kind and compassionate person. I'm just kind and compassionate in action way more. So getting a person's name, picking up a piece of trash, giving a dollar to a homeless person and don't judge them. You don't know them. They could spend it for beer. Let them go spend it for beer. Um, you know what I mean? Like you don't know, but because we judge, we don't, we don't connect with them and you definitely don't get their name. 
You definitely don't talk to them. I didn't. I needed a dollar or two dollars because that's as most as I was going to give. It needed to be the perfect timing for a handoff, right? A little hello and then boom. Then that was my good deed. You know what I mean? I could put on a spiritual shirt. I could be super cool. I could tell all my friends about how you know, spiritual I was by giving this guy a dollar. You know, I didn't do that, but you know what I mean? Like, you know, playing that kind of thing up. But now just stopping, asking how they are, giving them what I have in my pocket, whether it's $2, whether it's $10, whether it's $5, um, getting their name, you know, the look in their eyes and just the experiences and the feedback, like not all of it is like crazy and transformational, whatever, but it's like human to human, you know, it's, it's, it's just, it's better. So, you know, I went to the parliament of world religions with this native American elder and uh, it was so fascinating hearing him talk versus the religions because um, you know, we have over 200 different religions. I have a daughter now. And so how do you tell her which one to go pick, right? You got 200 things to the path of God. Which one do you pick? How do you live a spiritual life? How do you find meaning and purpose? Um, you know, good luck with, with these 200 pick whoever you want. When he spoke, he goes, you know, I was, we're here and we're at this spiritual conference in Toronto with world leaders. And he's like, I walked past, you know, 12 homeless people and I was with them. And he stopped and talked to pretty much everyone. You know what I mean? And mm -hmm. he just conversed with them. He's just like, I watched you guys, not one of you stop and talk to them with everybody with a caller. Everybody's super spiritual. Everybody's showing the way. But isn't that, isn't it spiritual like to help your fellow man? Isn't it like to be in action? So what are we doing? Um, in that way. So for me, spirituality is literally just doing the best that you can. You know, I say, don't be an a-hole and, uh, you know, just help out when you can and just do your best. Cause nobody really knows what's going on. Uh, do your best to be a good human. But if you can do those three kind acts a day, go out of your way to do them. Um, you know, something I call it a universal wink. A lot of people, I, I, I put it as a challenge on my podcast and so many people have written me and be like, bro, this super weird thing happened. I'm like, I know, I don't know what it is, but there'll be an interaction and you'll notice how disconnected you are from the environment. And that's why a lot of these consciousness training things are super cool. It's about more, how do you engage in this consciousness in the senses that you have? So one of the training, you know, everyone's in like uh, psychedelics now, and I have done psychedelics and I've done ayahuasca. And I think that it was helpful. And now what I see though, as, as a whole, as this whole psychedelic thing is rising as like this new popular thing, I think that idea as a construct has a lot of damage to it too, because you know, you don't throw a kid into the ocean who's just learned how to swim. You don't, uh, you know what I mean? You have a safety raft, you have people who know what's going on, you have beginner steps and it's not a quick fix. We're looking for these hacks and flow state and biohacking and all this kind of crap. You know what I mean? I study that and I enjoy that. But what I've learned is it's a process. It's an effective process that happens over time. And so it's kind of like, and there's a lot of damage that does from it too. So where is the training on like what our senses are? Like the cold training is nice because it forces you into the present moment. It, maybe all the other benefits too. But, uh, you know, I did that. I did that last winter in Nelson. You know, it was like minus 40 with the wind chill one day. And I didn't do the Wim Hof because I was trained to have my own experience first. Not yeah. that Wim Hof is good or bad. I think he, I think Wim Hof is the friggin' man. He's hilarious and I love him. And his breathing technique is good also. I did it this way because it was, I was taught this way and I wanted to have my own experience. 
And I like figuring that out. And I try his breathing too. But anyway, in doing it, it just forces you in the moment. It's a very powerful experience. So is night training, you know, going into the forest to find the darkest, scariest forest you can find. And I did this in Vancouver too, actually, by uh, in Burnaby. I was running through the forest at night and it's freaking terrifying. Yeah. I'm 35 years old. I have a beard. I know martial arts. I'm pretty strong. I'm scared as a little boy in there running. Yeah. You know what I mean? I'm imagining all these terrible things. But the idea is to engage in this consciousness, in this life as limited as you are, and but you do know your intention. Um, so that's a bit of a ramble and I don't know where we want to go with that, but I just want to share all that. Just the importance of simplicity, you know, is a mother, not spiritual, you know, is, is your sister or brother or somebody who's there for you. So if we can engage in our community in a very humble and meaningful way and just help when we can just be a good ambassador, that's enough. That yeah. is totally enough. And from that, you're going to have a more clear mind on how to move forward towards your passions, towards your inspirations, towards your motivations. Because in that simple action, you're listening more. You're out of the mind more. You're engaged in your reality more. You're picking up more information. When you're on your headphones and you're in your mind and your mind is going like this, you're picking up very little information from the outside. So slowing things down, being more engaged, you're actually picking up a lot of information that's going to help you over time choose the direction and make the decisions that you want to make. Seems subtle and it doesn't matter, but that's what they train Navy SEALs to do in life or death situations. So, I love that. And I, I like how you talked about there's no quick fix. I know that everybody's trying to look for the fast, the edge, the quick thing to the... I know exactly. And yeah, plant medicine and all that, it's very interesting because I think it can be useful, but you're right. I think that using that as like a quick fix, if you've never, you have no experience in any sort of mindset training or anything and you just jump in, it's not a good idea, right? Like I understand, I don't like the idea either that it's like everybody's just trying to hack their way, get, take the easy route. And thank you for touching on that because you know, you hear, I like hearing both sides and you being experienced in a lot of different things. Let's be honest, you know, hearing your opinion on that is, is really powerful for people because you've kind of, you've studied these things and you've, you've gone and you've, you've learned and you've kind of done, you've taken the slow route, which is, which is great. And it's really valuable to hear from that perspective. Now, there's one thing I want to touch on um, before we look at wrapping this up is that how does somebody because you were kind of getting into this, how does somebody figure out their true purpose or their mission? Like how does somebody know whether or not what they're doing is right or whether they should be following what it is like their true purpose? Yeah, man, that's an amazing question. You know, and that's probably been one of my biggest personal questions for myself. And as long as I can remember, I could be like, what is my purpose? What am I doing here? How do I have a meaningful life and studying a lot on how people find purpose and meaning. So this for me is the thing that I feel like I've studied the most on. And I just wanted to share with people too, like, you know, we can only share our, our experiences as honestly as we choose to experience, you know, as long as, as honestly as we choose to share. So I can just share the things that have worked, uh, the things that I haven't worked, the philosophies I think that are, are more well-rounded and maybe the dangers of, of ideas being presented today and, and to not take anything that I say or anyone else says as truth, but, you know, just, just as perspectives that I hope that are empowering. And so with the psychedelic one, you know, it's or religion or any thought process, none of it is good or bad. It's just, um, you know, sharing what I think that I, that I've experienced because especially with the psychedelic one, um, if you want to do that, it's more about the work after, right? Like when I went, everything that I've done that had meaning was hard. 
the training with the Shaolin monks was motherfucking hard, man. Yeah. Like unbelievably hard. It was so intense. You know what I mean? Like, oh my, I, th- we do this run every Friday. You go up these stairs, right? And then you go down and sometimes people would do a crab walk down or the bear crawl. Mm-hmm. So one day I'm like, okay, I'm going to bear crawl down. So I start bear crawling. I'm right at the top. It's pretty, it's pretty long. And I'm like, I'm going to do like half of this, not even a quarter. And then I'm going to get out. Well, one of the Sifus sees me, turns around and just starts walking me down. Right. So I want to stop like five minutes ago and I have to keep going because he's right there. I was planning on getting up, keep going. My body's shutting down. Right. As my body starts to shut down, he just grabs like a stick out of the woods and he just starts beating me with it every time I slow down. And like, the point is I ended up going like, three times as far as I had would if he didn't like push my body, say, you're capable of this. This is you. This is no enhancement. This is no biohack. This is no meditation. This is no crystal. This is no plant medicine. This is no nothing but you. And that to me is so beautiful and empowering to know how that's where we've got to find that power first. And so if you'd like to use uh, a, a tool, which, which is fine, you can understand that that it should motivate that search of the power of you and be willing to put in the work right it's like oh i got the new nike running shoes they're super light they're the ultimate shoe i've got i've got the biohacking shoe on i got the biohacking shoe drink i got the you know the biohacking thing i got the biohacking hat i did wim hof breathing in this none of that's going to help you and that monk is beating your ass going down going down that thing it's this it's this spirit it's that you know what I mean? Like, look at the Muay Thai in martial arts. They'll talk about that as like building the character of strength. And you look at the Muay Thai guys, they have such heart because their training is so mother effing intense. They'll like go through war because they're kicking hard things. You know what I mean? That's they're that's the spirit. That's the martial arts spirit of what you're capable of and understanding your own power. So I just wanted to say that. So it's, it's, a, it's a fine thing to do, but it should motivate that. Because if you go the other way for the importance, you're not going to get to the same route. Mm-hmm. And so you got you to integrate. You got you to use the techniques. So what was your question again? About purpose, finding purpose, yes. your, your purpose. Okay, got it. Okay, so, you know, I've studied a lot on that and, and there's a lot of great stuff out there. And one of my first mentors was uh, Michael Lozier who wrote the book, The Law of Attraction. Very fantastic book. He has a neuro-linguistic programming background and I, I suggest people read a basics of neuro-linguistic programming. If you want to know about how your mind works, um, all the stuff we're talking about, about mindset, neuro-linguistic programming is, is definitely for me the most ideal start for anybody. So he wrote that book, but I was always like, you know, how does it help people if you just manifest like whatever and you don't care, like you don't know if it's going to, if you actually want it, right? Because we want cars and we want um, other things, but that's not really what we want. And I always thought about that. And I had a friend of mine who's so analytical. And I always ask people this question, you know, if you had a million dollars a day, what would you do for the rest of your life? Right. Alan Watts said, um, you know, if you didn't have to work, what would you do? You know, he'd be like, do that first. You know what it means? Like do the thing that you love first. If money didn't, if money were no object, what would you do? And so I asked that question, my friend's so analytical, like to the max, I knew there was no chance he was going to give me a good answer. He's going to say like 20 grand a year, more savings or some crap. Right. So I was like, Hey man, we're going to try this. And I took him through a guided visualization, which is kind of hypnosis. And I just hypnotized him into his heart and hypnosis is guided meditation. Because most people don't know how to clear their mind, that's all the beginning is. You know, feel your body, relax. You just, you just help them clear their mind because if you're thinking about all these other things, you can't go into a visualization. That's mm-hmm. all it is, nice and simple. And so I hypnotize him in his heart by like 
suggesting that. Then I asked him a series of questions and it was just about his life purpose, meaning things like that. And in the middle, like three quarters, he started to cry. And then after it, I immediately, when we were done, I immediately realized that there was nothing like this out there. Um, there's hypnosis, there's these different things, but nobody had kind of like steered it in that direction. And so I just made a guided meditation that I call the heart journey that you can have for free. So if people want to check that out, I'll link it up after it's go mattbelair.com forward slash masters dash of dash flow. You can get that meditation and you can get the Zen athlete ebook as a gift. Um, but it's the best tool that I've seen that um, helps people with that. And this is the reason. Our conscious mind and our ego are not bad things. They're great things. When you cross the street, the ego saves you every single time. You know, we need those things. It's our preferences. It's who we are. It's like what we enjoy. It's what we want to experience. It's wonderful. It's what makes you unique. The challenge is that it's also designed to keep you safe. And so if you want to stay safe, I say, hey, you know, what would you do if money were no object? Conscious mind starts to go, oh, maybe music or whatever the case is. It starts to imagine all these wonderful things. But then it kicks in and says, hey, my number one job is to keep you alive. For you to be alive, you need to eat. And for you to eat, you need that thing called money. <clears throat> and so if you don't have any money, you're not eating and you're going to kill me. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to distort this answer. I'm going to give you as much leeway as possible. So that way you can choose your mission, but you're going to not kill me. Is that cool? I'm going to, I'm going to help you, but not the whole way. Cause you can't go crazy. Kind of like a, you know, a loving parent, right? They want the best yeah. for their kids. So with that filter, you can't see it clearly. So when you're hypnotized into your heart, your heart knows it's eternal. You have no filter and you can answer these questions in the most honest and authentic way. And I've done this experience with many people. The first 10 people cried. Um, one told me they had an out-of-body experience. And one of them pissed themselves from like some sort of weird healing. They said that they got it. I'm not like healing or whatever. They just said, because what I would get them to imagine in their own space. And yeah. so they would have their own impact. So he yeah. was telling me after this really intense thing that happened. <laughs> Oh my God, dude, like that is wild. And yeah. it was around the part where I say, what is the limitation? What's holding you back? And all it does is, so you can shut off all of this stuff in the conscious mind. You can go one layer deeper to get more information. That's all it is. Getting out of the conscious mind that has the five to seven bits, going one layer deeper to get a little bit more information to make a more empowering decision that mm -hmm. is coming from your heart and not from your head. And so I've done this with multimillionaires. I've done it with uh, what you call a hippie. I've done it with high performers. I've done it with entrepreneurs and everybody wants the same thing. And that really boils down to meaningful relationships, meaningful livelihood. And we know what that meaningful livelihood is to each of us. And it's very unique and it, and it aligns with our passions and our interests and our curiosities and what we want to grow with. Everybody's the exact same thing. And what it requires is a lot of letting go. And it's not about, oh, I know that I'm going to be a world famous author with a famous podcast, you know, and can do this. It's a direction. Most people have never asked the question about what they want to do in their life. So they have no idea if they're going north, east, south, or west. So what's happening is their life is being created by default or the society or the culture they're in. And whatever path or current they're on is whatever is decided by that society, which is, which, which is not always great because it's not what we're choosing. Now, when you begin to find that direction, northeast, south, or west, you're going to start at maybe north. Then you're going to be like, oh, okay, you know what? After I've taken a few steps, 
couple months, couple weeks, it's northeast. Then it's like, if it's 360 degrees, you're going to be like, it's 342.1 degrees. I don't exactly know all the islands or all the experiences or all the things that I'm going to learn, have, and do along the way. But I do know that this is a direction that I'm inspired to do. And with each action, it's like a paddle of your boat and you're moving. And then what happens over a period of time is you get picked up by a bigger current. And that's like the current of life that's going to help you and bring you these experiences. Also, adversity. Failure is a friggin' part of it. Fail early, fail often, enjoy it, reframe that whole thing. It has, it's necessary. It's good. You know, enjoy, keep failing. And so if you find that, you know, so if you have no idea, you can try that. Uh, there's a, the passion test, which is really good, but you just start small, uh, going towards your interests, towards your curiosities. Um, it has those questions in there. And I also do coaching on this if people want, but mm. asking yourself that series of questions, like the last person I was working with, they're like, I have no idea what I want to do with my life. You know, two, you know, the sessions are about an hour. The second session, she knows exactly what she wants to do. And it's not because I did anything special. I just asked basic questions that people should ask themselves. Yeah. And after she went through all that, process she was very very clear um same with all the other people so it's just we haven't thought about the questions we don't know what high quality questions are and we're only thinking with our conscious mind which is designed to keep us safe so um so that's what i think so how many questions should we be asking ourselves like yeah so yeah so really great one is uh what would you do if you had a million dollars a day uh for the rest of your life um, uh, what would you do if money were no option? What, you know, what, what five things do you want to change in the world? What do you want to learn most? If you could design your mm. uh, daily life for the next six months, what would you do? And so a part of that is learning and traveling and experiencing relationships. And so that's where the give and take come, okay. right? And yeah. so sometimes you're like, you know what? Business is a part of it, but I really need to learn about art if I'm going to go do that. Cool. I got my nine to five job. This is giving me sustainability. Be grateful for your job. Be grateful for that security. Be grateful for all the things you have. And don't forget about who you are and what that passion is you want to grow. You might have to do both for a while, right? Mm -hmm. There's no shortcuts. Might be a year. Then two years later, you start to transition. Three years later, now over a lifetime, you're looking at going from 30 to 35, where you just went down whatever that cultural mainstream was, or 30 to 35, you built up those skills. You started to learn all those things. You had those experiences. Then at 35, boom, you've got the skill, the confidence, the resource to make a switch to fully be doing what you would do every single day if money were no object. Mm. What things are most important to you? What are your values? What do you value most in life? And write those down. What are my values? You know, how do I want to experience life? Um, what are my goals as far as um, learning, career, impact? If I could change one thing in the world, what would it be? Um, you know, what am I most curious of learning about? I'm kind of repeating some of them. But then there's also like the passion test too, which is a great uh, book and, and process. But you, uh, you know, what's my dream? What's my passion? What's my purpose? What's my mission? And at first you might not be clear, but the idea is you got to brain dump it, go through the heart journey. It's the best thing that I know of, not because I made it just because I research techniques. And I think that, um, you know, there's a lot of them that are awesome, but it's high quality questions. And then you got to answer, ask those questions from a state that's not in your consciousness. So you can view it from a different angle. And then you just start um, taking that action. Because again, we want the quick fix. We want to leave our job immediately and find our purpose. Really, it's a day-to-day-to-day thing. It's that um, little steps, you know. So I didn't know I was going to run a podcast and have 300 episodes. I didn't know I was going to write a book called Zen Athlete. And I do not have really much figured out at all. I I know that I have my intention. I know that I want to learn. I know that I want to have a positive impact. 
but I'm so confused about so many things. And uh, I just do my best to be a genuine person and, and to learn and to grow and to um, define what an enjoyable, impactful human experience is to me. And, um, and then do my best to, to um, do those things. And I frig up a lot and I uh. got to be kinder to myself and, and all that kind of good stuff. But <clears throat> I've had like three near death experiences and on two of them, I, I thought, you know, well, it's a long story, but you know, I remember thinking and I I had it with my, my girlfriend, my partner. And after we had the experience, I said, you know, what went through your mind? Cause we almost both died. She said, you know, I wish I had done a lot of things. And she said, what went through your mind? And I said, I guess my work is done. And that was the honest thought that I had. And I don't think that, you know, I don't say that to sound anything other than, the importance of the one thing that I've done in interviews and talking to my close friends and talking to a lot of people when I travel and talking to a lot of other people is I figure out what's most important to me. I've always done that. What is most important to me? What do I want to learn? What do I want to experience? And how can I help? Those are the two questions. And because of those two questions, I know that life is not guaranteed. I could have died that time. I could have died the two other times I almost died. I had a gun held to my head in a, in a Guatemalan jungle. Um, you know, like, I've had a lot of things happen and that's the surrender. I could be dead. We could die at any moment, but those two intentions at that point, that was the thought and that, that made me feel good. And then it's like, okay, this isn't an easy road. This is a very freaking hard road. It's a very, very hard road. I've had a lot of faith. You know what I mean? I've, I'm broke almost always, you know, just like, it's so hard. Um, But it's meaningful because I keep defining that. I keep asking those questions and I, and I, and I don't compromise, you know Mm -hmm. what I mean? I'm like, you know what, although this is hard, I'm going to make the right choice and and have faith that it's going to work out. And I've had to do that time and time and time again. So when, you know, when I almost died that time, it was like, you didn't compromise, you know, you did the things that were important to you when they were put in front of you. You didn't make an excuse about why you wouldn't go do that thing, why you wouldn't go learn, why you wouldn't go travel, why you wouldn't uh, do that. And that, that's it. Those are the only mm. uh, two things. So if you can factor those into your life, I think that it's going to lead toward, toward more meaning and purpose, but it doesn't mean it's easy. If anything, it'll probably be a little bit more challenging because you're creating it on your own, um, but it's going gonna, it's gonna to be more meaningful to you. Hmm. wow man (laughs) thank you so much for that was incredible bro we're gonna have to do round two because there's just so much other stuff i want to talk to you about on another on another day because that was that's insane man you got so much knowledge and I, i i love the vulnerability of that you're saying as well that you know you don't have it all figured out you're just being you know you're doing the best from what you know and you're, 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 you're doing the best and you don't have it all figured out. And that's the beautiful thing is we never will. <laughs> and you got to yeah. be okay with that. You got to be, you got to be okay with the imperfections. Like we're no one's perfect, but that's perfect. <laughs> right. And, yeah. and we're learning and you're, you're on a, an amazing part of your journey. And man, I just want to say thank you so much for coming and hanging out with us. Where, where can everybody find you, man? Well, yeah, man, I appreciate, appreciate the kind words. And yeah, man, it's, uh, I, I think you hit the nail on the head. It's just uh, doing the best you can with your imperfections because we don't know. Um, yeah. But we're always going to learn. And the more kind we can be to ourselves and to our fellow human, it, it hopefully make it a more enjoyable experience. And you're going to face adversary, adversity like Absolutely. every day probably. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, so it's a part of it. Um, well, I appreciate being on the show and I appreciate your work and I, and I hope that your audience supports you and uh, share the podcast. Leave a friggin' review because it helps a ton Um, so when we see you share episodes when you see us we see you tag us when we see you leave a review 
that is pure gold. You guys, it is so much work to do these podcasts. So Lance, thank you yeah. so much for all your work, for having me on the show. If you want to learn more about Thanks, me, mattbelair.com is the best space. Um, check out the Masters of Flow with the dashes if you want to check out the Zen Athlete book. If you're a coach, or, like this is for anybody. It's really guide to self-mastery. Um, the only reason I did sport is because I'm looking for help to get this in schools, youth organizations, things like that, because it is such empowering material. And as an adult, this is like high level peak performance, the same stuff I would, you know, coach a high level extreme sports athlete, which I have, or like a military person. It's this stuff. It, it goes so deep there. You know what I mean? It's the right protocol. It's uh, squats, mm -hmm. deadlift, bench press, pull-ups and dips. If you want strength, you need to do those. There's some other ones you could do, but that's mainly strength. Yeah. So that, that is the mental strength protocol for finding the path you want to go and how to make that happen and how to do it from a, an empowered state. So that's the biohack. It's like the right process. You know what I mean? Right. The yeah. different training process for triathlon. It's a different training process for martial arts. It's a different training process for weightlifting. This is the training process for, um, you know, mindset mastery for moving diligently and effective toward a meaningful goal, no matter what that is. Um, so yeah. Awesome. We'll make sure to link up there's so much stuff in that episode. We're going to try and link everything up, but we're going to make sure to link all your, everything to find you on all the platforms and all that. Absolutely. And man, there's just so much there and I got to go back and listen to this because it was just like, you got so much knowledge and I truly, truly appreciate it. Now there's just one last question. I know I hope we, we're going over time here, but I'm okay. If you're okay. I'm good, man. Okay. Yeah. Perfect. <laughs> um, just the one staple question is, what is one lesson that adversity has taught you? I know there's been a lot for you, but what's the one lesson that you could give? That's a really great question. And I, I would say right now, what's coming to my mind is just perseverance. You know, choose something meaningful and persevere because failure is not permanent. I'm sure somebody has said that. As a skateboarder, there's a great uh, chapter in Jordan Peterson's book, The uh, 12 Rules of Life. Um, you know, don't bug kids while they're skateboarding. Skateboarding is only failure. And when you're talking about adversity, it could be failure. Failure is a necessary and a hundred percent guaranteed experience you're going to have in your life. So if you can learn how to redefine how you experience uh, adversity, failure, and just be like, Hey, it's a part of the process. You just get back up. You know, if you want to engage the Rocky scene where he does that uh, really epic speech, that's important, but you know, you're going to learn to persevere. And each time you get up, you're stronger. It's a part of the learning and what it is, you know, if you can understand that with each failures, each learning, do it over and over and over and over and over again. Anybody who's incredible at anything has failed more than other people. The yeah. best skateboarders have failed more than other people. So just redefine failure, redefine adversity for yourself and just, you know, see it as learning, seeing it as growing and know that it is necessary and don't put it into your identity. What happens is a person will have an idea and they're afraid to do it. They will do usually one half-assed attempt, attempt, they'll fail. Then once they fail, they identify with failure and then they stop because that hurt. But if mm. you can say, hey, I'm going to keep going. This is a part of it. You know, I'm going to learn. I'm going to get better. I'm going to learn. I'm going to get better. And don't give up and persevere over time. You know, whatever your breakthrough moment will be, you will experience that breakthrough moment. There is no bad failure. So just mm. go out there, persevere and, and see if you can do it. I suck at this personally. See if you can do it from a spirit of fun. 
that I think yeah. we're supposed to have fun here. I think we're supposed yeah. to enjoy. We don't need to make everything so darn serious. So see if you can do it. You know, look at a kid play. See if you can grow and try and explore from a sense of fun and exploration and lightheartedness. And if yeah. you can do that, tell me how. I'm still yeah. trying. Yeah. <laughs> man, awesome. Thank you again, man. This was, uh, this was impactful. Is that even a word impactful? Yeah, it is. Yeah. I, uh, <laughs> I'm like, I don't know if I was saying it right. There's just so much that I still need to process, bro, with this conversation. This was, this was awesome. And again, I, I would love to do a round two with you on, on other stuff as well, because 100%, man, it's man, crazy how fast time flies. It's like, holy shit, it's already been an hour and 20 <laughs> minutes. I'm like, I thought we just started, you know, but yeah, we'll make sure to have everything in the show notes for everybody to check you out. And again, man, thanks. Thanks for shining your light on the world. You're doing an amazing, amazing job. And I'm excited to just, just see, watch you and uh, connect with you now and just keep seeing the, the growth of your journey, man. So again, thank you. Yeah, I appreciate it, man. Thanks so much for your time. Thanks guys for listening. Thanks everybody. Matt Belair, check him out soon. Thanks so much, everybody. Mind-blowing episode, right? <laughs> Uh, I, I, it's funny cause during that conversation I was sitting there like, dude, I don't even know what to say right now. Like I was just, I was like mind blowing and yeah, such a great conversation. We're going to do round two. Make sure you go to check out his podcast. He's got some great stuff happening. Go check him out. Follow him on Instagram, get his book, Zen athlete book and you know, support him because he's doing big things, big things for the world. And I was just honored to have a chat today with Matt. So love you guys. Subscribe, review, all that stuff. Share this with a friend. Do us a favor. Spread the love. Somebody that needs to hear this. Somebody wants to get their mind blown. Somebody that wants to be inspired. Whatever it means, share it. And I really appreciate it. Have an amazing day, guys. And we'll catch you next time. You just finished another class at the University of Adversity. Don't forget to hit that subscribe button and tune in again next time for more life lessons with Lance ECOs.